Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I'm Gabby Reese and welcome to the show. My guest today is Dr. David Sinclair. He's a professor of genetics and anti-aging. He's got a lab at Harvard University. He wrote an incredible book called Lifespan. If you haven't read it, I would suggest getting it. It's like the best, you know, sort of textbook. And he's really talking about turning back your biological clock. And something's working because every time I see David, he looks younger and younger. He also has a new podcast out called Lifespan, and you can listen to it wherever podcasts are broadcasted. And he takes a topic and for one hour talks specifically about that topic. He gives you the science on it. He breaks it down. If there is anything actionable you can do in your everyday life, he shares that with you and makes it really comprehensive. And he also shares what he's doing in his own life. Right now, he is eating vegetarian. He's lost weight. His numbers are better. And I just love David's, obviously he's, you know, so intelligent, but his curiosity, his playfulness, and, you know, just really there to share, hey, can we age either better? And how do we turn that internal biological clock, either slow it down or even reverse it? I hope you enjoy. Dr. Sinclair, thank you for coming. Welcome. Thanks for having me here. You've been here before, um, and we've done interviews before, but this is the first one in person. Um, I I hope you're not offended if I just refer to you as Sinclair, because that is like the most endearing way I could call you. I respect that you're a doctor and your lab's at Harvard, but Sinclair is like your teammate. What's wrong with David? Huh? <laughs> I don't know. Sinclair's more like, because you're a G. I think you should be referred to like in that G way, so... David, okay, we'll do it. Look at him. He's no, so grown David's up. too common. Sinclair's good. See, Sinclair. So you have a new podcast out, Lifespan, oh. with David Sinclair. And uh, I was thinking about you and Huberman. See, he's a teammate too. And I'm like, that's like the science mafia. You and, and Huberman and Walker. It's like this unbelievable group that you guys are exchanging expertise and information. And like now you're the the cool kids in school. How's that? How's that going? Well, I don't know if we're the cool kids in school, but we are the rebellious ones. We have the FU gene in abundance. Yeah. 
Um, and we, we've decided, Andrew and I spoke, um, I've known Matt less, but Andrew and I spoke at the beginning of the pandemic and we decided to, uh, to do this, to communicate science because we saw a gap. You know, when the pandemic happened, people didn't know who to trust, what was real, what's scientific, what's made up on the internet. And uh, we both identified that. So we've stepped up and so far so good. Well, and I love the way um, Andrew Huberman talked about it, which was like public education. I really thought that that summed it up. This idea of ivory tower knowledge, which you all have. I mean, he's at Stanford and you're at Harvard, but that you have found the way to break it down, to communicate, to share it, um, and to make it actionable, which is really hard. Um, we're going to try to dumb it down even more here today. Okay. That's going to be hard, but I'll try. <laughs> just enough. I mean, if the data is there, you can, you, you know, you can, you can dumb it down. I'm just also curious as somebody who is really fond of you that this is a life change, right? Like you're get you're getting pulled in more directions now. How have you, you're not going to get away with just talking about um, slow and anti-aging. I want to know how you're managing sort of these additions to your life. Because people go through changes all the time. Mm -hmm. And now you're getting pulled sort of in more directions. Well, you know way too much about me uh, in my, my personal life. Well, so I'm we're not, not going to go there. I'm not going to throw all that up on the table. I'm just saying like with these new demands on yeah, you. No, it's, it's, a, it's a serious thing. But, you know, you make time for what you think is important and you mm -hmm. do away with things that are not. So that's what I do. I have a hierarchy and things fall off the bottom and they're not that important. And so you make time. What's important to me is my lab. Uh, my well, probably first and foremost, my children, mm -hmm. um, of course. But then in my career, it's my lab, uh, and then the, the companies that I work with. Uh, communications becoming increasingly important. So those are the three main pillars of my career. And uh, you know, every day is busy when you've got all that going on. And running a lab at Harvard is supposed to be a full-time job, right? Um, and I do this other stuff because I tend to get pretty easily with just doing one thing every day. But it's an ecosystem that's working really well. Um, I didn't know how it was going to work out. Actually, Andrew and I could have been kicked out of our respective universities uh, here at Stanford and me at Harvard for doing this. It's, it's unprecedented that scientists at our level have become public communicators, but it's working out really well. And the ecosystem um, for education is great. So I've got my book, which mm -hmm. you know, you've Life kindly uh, said nice things about. Thank mm -hmm. you. Um, and so that was my first foray of really hitting large amounts of people. So, you know, hundreds of thousands, close to a million now around the world have read these words, uh, sometimes multiple times, actually, because... Well, it's a workbook. Yeah. There's you, a it's lot. a textbook. And I would say to people, we're going to talk about a lot of things today. A lot of it is in the book and it is a resource. So I think that lifespan can be used that way for sure. Yeah, thanks. Well, I put a lot of effort, like Andrew does, into referencing. So whenever you read a fact... You can look it up to see if I'm lying or not. Not that I would, but you know, it's important to the two of us that we are seen as truth tellers and we don't say anything that isn't backed up. And if we don't understand or don't know something, we'll say so. And that's why I think what's a lot, what's missing in public discourse. People pretend that they know or say it as, as if they do know when they don't really know. And most people have never read a scientific paper in their lives, but they're out there saying, you should do this, this, this. And it's not often their fault because unlike Andrew and I who have access to the world's libraries of information through our universities, what regular person has that? It's beyond most people's reach. And who has the time to read it? It's our job to read it. So that's that's what I try to do. But the ecosystem of the book, the podcast, my lab, and the companies, I think is a, is a it's working out really well to achieve my mission, which is single-mindedly, you know, on my on my mind every day, which is to leave the world better 
through highest impact of what I can do to you know slightly bend the needle. And when people say, why are you doing that? Why are you doing that? Why would you have a podcast? Is it for ego? No. Uh, like Andrew, I want to serve. Mm-hmm. I want to change the way people see their lives and give them information to improve it. And you're, you personally are a good example because I've known you for a few years and you are definitely Benjamin buttoning it. I mean, every time I see you right now, you're as, as, as lean as I've seen you. You, I mean, you look, I know you're busy and I know you're probably not getting enough self-care, but you keep looking fresher and younger than the last time I saw you. So the other thing that I like is that you experiment on yourself and talk about your own kind of practice. And different than Huberman, you still live more like a normal person. Like you're not, I don't think you're a big, huge fan of exercise. You like your red wine. I mean, it's not like, you know, Huberman yeah. is is more in the church a little bit, if you will. Um, so I appreciate too that you're, you know, you have a balance of that. Well, I do. I'm pretty lazy in, in general. I, I don't all? like working out. Um, in your pool, I suffer pretty badly, uh, as you could tell. Had a few gulps of water on, on occasion. But yeah, I, I like food. I like meat. Uh, I like alcohol. I like having a good time. I like um, tasty things. I'm a foodie. But, uh, you know, I'm not perfect. I, sometimes people say, oh, I saw Sinclair. He ate an egg. It's like, okay, food police. I'm not perfect. I do try not to eat a lot of sugar. I try not to eat a lot of meat. I'm currently experimenting with a vegan diet to see what it does to my body. I, I saw that. And I saw that the woman that's inspiring you to do it, is it Poon? What's her last name? Serena. Serena Poon, right? Yeah. And so I'm really fascinated on, I mean, obviously there is a lot of data showing, hey, if we can minimize the amount of red meat and, and lean towards vegetables, we all know that that's a good idea, period. Well, the science says so. That's all that matters. Right. And so I understand how you did that. But I'm curious when you, because it's it's funny how you get attached to these things, right? Like I personally can get attached to eating a certain way. Well, well this is how I eat. What am I going to eat? So how did you sort of think, okay, I'm going to experiment with, with this. Did she help you? Was it like you felt like there was a roadmap on how to do it and you felt ready to do it? How did that come about? Yeah, so that, that's actually a really good question, um, and I have never answered this question. Um, I feel like you don't answer a lot of questions, but well, no, I will be truthful. <laughs> you can ask me anything. Um, usually, I answer about these. the science. So you know, truth serum today. <laughs> How about that for Gabby? I'll keep um, it mint light, truth serum light. Okay, so what what happened was, I've been changing my diet over the years to try and be better, and I've had lapses, relapses into bad diet where I'm eating pizza and french fries because I'm just stressed out. This is in my 30s. Sure. My 40s, I got more serious. I, liked, I think we all do. We, we see the end and we think, damn, I, I kind of have abused my body the last 20, 10, 20 years. So in my, in my 40s, I made the strict decision not to eat dessert. I just steal little bits and that's enough for me. Uh, and that made a big difference. So cut out the sugar. Um, I have a tendency to be overweight. I was overweight as a kid. Um, lost it when I discovered girls in college. Um, mm-hmm. You know that motivation has happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I've tried to keep it off. But you're right; I've never been this this lean. But your question to get your question, I'm not dodging it. But it's oh, no. it's a story that I've been evolving my diet. And what's important about what I do? It's it's science based. It isn't. Oh, I think I look better, or I think I feel better. It's I measure the numbers, mm. and often they surprise me that they're either they went in the wrong direction or they went the right direction. But it's if you just base it on how you feel, that's not good enough. You have to look at the numbers. So on that, I'm going to, and I, I know you've invested in this company and I don't care because I, I like them, but you, inside, Insider Tracker. tracker inside they, Tracker. Inside yeah. Tracker. Mm-hmm. They 
you know, you, I heard you reference even on your own podcast, like you don't drive a car without a dashboard, right? So it makes sense where you've even talked about, hey, you've gotten numbers back that were not favorable. So it's, I, I just want to also, I think sometimes people are scared to look under the hood because they go like, oh, what am I going to find? I don't really want to know. I think that's really normal. I experience it. And I, I would imagine I'm pretty healthy that other people are probably feeling this way. So I think it's important to to sort of highlight the fact that you yourself have had blood work that you thought, hey, it could be a lot better or it's not great. And now the fact is it's it's way better based on some of these changes you've made and the consistency of that. And also even, you know, kind of your internal age or your biological age. Yeah. So maybe in talking about that, if you could share a very simple way where people could sort of say, okay, I need a starting point. I need a reference. And not to be afraid because we can change it. Well, that's the important point, that 80% of our health in the future is in our own hands. Only 20% is genetic. So that should be empowerment. And knowledge is power. Ignoring it's not going to fix things. And you have to really just fight the urge to be ignorant. And, and ignorance might be bliss, but it's going to come back and bite you in your old age or sooner. Um, and there are times when I don't take the test because I've I haven't eaten well and I'm you know I'm gonna, not going to get the right numbers back. You're going to catch up. Yeah, you know kind of, you kind of want to rig the numbers a little bit. Everyone's human, and I I tend to take the test when I know I'm going to get some decent numbers. It's only human, but but often it comes back where you know I take some supplements and I I try various things because I'm an experimenter. I'm trying to help people, and I'm a guinea pig for their benefit mm -hmm. and mine. Uh, but yeah, numbers come back and they're bad. I might hurt my liver with a supplement or my cholesterol has gone the wrong direction or my testosterone has decreased. And then what I do is I research it. I have a team of researchers, not at Harvard, but I yeah. pay them outside. And they will science the crap out of these deviations and say, oh, there's a study that shows that if you do that, it'll correct that. And then I, I do that and see if it works. And if it, if it does, I keep doing that. And so that's been an evolution of my life over the last 15 years of optimizing my body. And I'm pretty happy with how it is. How'd you get your test? I mean, listen, I have to ask the magic test T question. Every man on the planet is interested in testosterone levels. It's just the way it is. Mm -hmm. What things were you finding? I mean, obviously exercise, uh, were you finding boosted that? I mean, yeah. or a combination of things. Right, right. So it, it was a combination of things for sure. There wasn't just doing one thing and suddenly it doubled. Right. Yeah. Uh, so in my experience, what happened, and we will get back to Serena and her recommendations on yeah, food. Yeah, no, no, I'm, 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 Don't I got worry, you. listeners, we, we got mm -hmm. this. I, I might focus on testosterone for a while and try and fix that. And I was, I was hovering around the 200s, 300s, which is pretty low for a man even mm -hmm. in his 40s. I'm now 52. So in my mid-40s, like, I got to do something about this. I don't want to lose muscle. I don't want to have no sex drive. Right, no libido is a bummer. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so the first thing I did was I started uh, building up big muscles in my body. So leg muscles, hip hinge exercises for my back, deadlifts. And so I, I built up the big muscles. I'm not a big guy, but it made a difference, uh, certainly. And over those two years, I went from a 200, 300 number up to about 500. So I was happy. I was mid-range for someone my age. Not, not a lot. I wasn't, you know, super testosterone man, but I was okay. I wasn't losing muscle at least. Why the big, I mean, I understand the big muscles growing them and what the impact of that is, but maybe you could just explain a little bit because someone might go, well, what's the difference of overall, overall body exercise and building up those big muscles? Yeah. So the, the research has shown that it, the bigger your muscles in your body, the better effect on your testes to produce testosterone. Now, I don't think it's fully known exactly how that works other than it does. 
Um, and I certainly saw that. And it was mostly the recommendation of my trainer, who Sean is his name. He, I said, here's the problem. And I showed him my inside tracker results. And he said, yeah, we got to fix that testosterone. So he's the one that did He was this. not concerned about your cholesterol. He's like, let's talk about your testosterone. Right. Well, <laughs> at the gym, that's the hormone of interest usually for men. <laughs> of course. Uh, yeah, but I'm, I'm at a point now where it's been steadily going up. After I did the exercise, mm -hmm. uh, I started taking higher amounts of NMN. And so I've been on NMN, which is this NAD precursor. Listeners to you may, may know about this. I know you know about it. Because, NMN, of, because of you. Well, we've been researching uh, the role of NAD in the body for years. Now, it's been known for 100 years to be involved in energy metabolism and reactions in the body. And it's just a little chemical that we have probably 100 grams of it in our body. But we lose the ability to make it as we get older. And what happens is that the defense enzymes that keep us young, that we study called sirtuins, we have seven of these enzymes in every cell, they don't work very well without NAD. In fact, no, actually they don't work without NAD. Uh, and so the idea is to raise those levels back up. So for me, as a 52-year-old, if I was an average 52-year-old, I'd have half the levels of what I had when I was 20. So I supplement with NMN, get the NAD levels up high, and they get to work. So what we've shown in mice and we, I mean, myself, my colleagues, yeah. other labs over the years, uh, have shown that in animals and some results in humans that will be coming out, uh, that these sirtuins protect the body against things that cause disease and aging. For example, they boost DNA repair, we showed. Um, they boost endurance by improving blood flow. They protect organs when they're damaged, and they keep the animal's tissues younger. We have a study with hundreds of mice uh, that we've been running for a couple of years now, and those mice have less frailty, better body shape, better metabolic flexibility, which is important, right. and look like they're going to live all, on average longer than the ones that aren't drinking the NMN water. So why do I mention NMN? Because it, my NMN dosing went up to a gram a day, and that gave me another boost in testosterone. And when you look in the literature, there's another lab, not mine, but we, we, we and they study a protein called SIRT2. It's one of the SIRT2ins. So SIRT2, its job isn't to, to protect, um, again, oh, to make, make endurance uh, better. Its job is to protect the DNA of the body when cells divide. So there are two things that it's really good at. One is that it helps female eggs be younger. And so we've shown that if you give NMN to old mice that are infertile and the equivalent of a 65-year-old human, mm -hmm. they can give birth again because their eggs are healthy. I've, so why I've is that? been taking this because of you, but I think I'm, I don't know. I don't, I think that might stop. I'm not sure. Can you imagine well, if careful. I had to have that conversation with Laird? Um, honey, I need to tell you something. <laughs> okay. So, and, and so and, and fertility the, yeah, for, and, in mice. Yeah. And then the, and you know, that there are, there are people who are betting that this is going to be true in humans as well. And mm -hmm. we have some, some data in a small number of horses, actually, that we reversed their infertility. So I think it's probably going to be true for people, though we don't know. We have to do placebo-controlled trials. But the other thing that SIRT2 does that's relevant to this conversation is it controls the production of anabolic steroids, testosterone, estrogen, progesterone. And so it makes sense that uh, what I saw was true for my testosterone being regulated. And it also makes sense what we saw in the mice. Now I have a question, and then we're going to go back to slide over to your diet change. So I'm taking it, and coupled with a couple of other things, um, for people maybe who aren't going to take metformin or something like that, or maybe they can't get their hands on it, you you sort of make a suggestion on a couple things that people can take that is you know can support your aging, but also what's the best way to take it? 
and that stuff. Do you? Because I take it in the powder, and it is like I mean, I just you know shoot it, but it's it's not, it's not the best tasting thing. And do I? Can I do it on an empty stomach? Like, what for you is the best way? You start with NMN, mm-hmm. and um, and then uh, you can. What do we call it? Not M ninety eight. What's the other one? It's a uh, yeah, the rest, the resveratrol, mm-hmm. and then uh, we're the, the berberine. Yeah, so those three. Yeah. Do you, is it separated? Is it together? How much? Morning, night? How do we do it? Well, we can run through my my daily life if you want. It, I I mean, the more I can talk about you, the better. It's just I can feel. Do you feel it? Do you feel it? Do you feel the resistance? Um, I like scientists because they're like, wait, we're talking about the data. I'm like, no, no, we're talking about you too. Um, yeah. Well, you know, we we work for institutions that are pretty conservative. Uh, so we, oh, well, we push yeah. the limit when we talk about this stuff, right? Because everything's supposed oh, to be clinical trial okay. proven. No, I'm happy to do it. Okay. Um, you know, me, I, I have uh, this FU gene that I talk about. But. I know, but I think in the end, it's like about doing the best work possible. Somehow being at Harvard, that makes people feel very comfortable. In a way, being able to straddle that is more impactful. I agree. And that's why I've been doing it for years, yeah. and, and honestly. But it's even five years ago to talk about supplements and what I do and age reversal, it was not a good look amongst my colleagues. Now it's more acceptable. But um, anyway, so there are, there are some main components to what I do that have helped my testosterone and other markers. Mm-hmm. Uh, most of my blood markers now are equivalent or better than a 20-year-old from optimization. Um, That's amazing. It's just a, it's, and I say that to, be, to inspire people that it's doable yeah. if you just look at the numbers and tweak things. Um, so what do I do? So I wake up, uh, obviously. Uh, I've had a bed that's been monitoring my heart rate, so that's fun. It usually vibrates to get me out of bed. It's warm, warms me up. So then I get out of bed, stumble out of bed. You have a cuddle, cuddly bed. Okay. (laughs) Wow. Uh, So anyway, what what I think listeners would like to know is uh, what do I take? So I I start with a matcha these days. Mm -hmm. Um, I have also your coffee that you've been giving me. Mm -hmm. So that it's one of those two. I'm drinking yours right now. It's great stuff. So later, no, let's start with supplements. So I, I start with a combo of resveratrol, which mm-hmm. is the molecule from red wine that we talked about and discovered was important a while ago. The red yeah. wine story is Big good time. for you. Yeah. And so I've been taking that since I was in my mid-30s. And so what I do is I take that with a little bit of yogurt. And for the aficionados who are going to say, that's breaking a fast, okay, whatever. I have to dissolve it in something because it, otherwise it sinks to the bottom of the coffee or the water that I'm drinking. Right. It, and it has like a, a, a kind of almost like a filmy feel to it like it needs to get into something well it does it won't be absorbed by the gut it'll just go straight through you uh and so what i know from clinical trials here i can actually speak with some scientific data that if you mix it with something oily eat it with a meal that's got a bit of fat in it which is what we did to the subjects it was much better there was five-fold levels getting into the bloodstream so i do that and i also mix some other polyphenols as well there's one called quercetin mm-hmm. and physetin which love are of quercetin yeah so we, we discovered those three molecules extended the lifespan of model simple organisms back in 2003 and five, And um, that's just a little known fact that when, I don't talk about. When you're in the lab and you're learning all this stuff, but the way you're actually able to, to interface with the public, it must, I don't want to say it must be frustrating, but it's like, I know some stuff, I could help some people, but in a way there's sort of a, probably a system. So this must be pretty fun for you to be able to say like, okay, we have the science, but I can also interface with people that, so if someone, when they listen to this or they listen to your podcast, which by the way, I want to just say to people that the podcast 
sort of I, what I really appreciate is you're being very specific and breaking things down and supporting those concepts scientifically sort of chapter by chapter. I feel like each one is sort of like a chapter. And so I think you're doing that really well, but it must be fun that you can be like, they can listen, they can go get it, they can start. It's not years and years. Yeah. It's pretty cool. Well, that's what I, I like about it is that I, I spent many years talking to the public through newspaper reporters and that's useless. Yeah. You know, it, this world that we're in is so great because I can speak directly to people, get even feedback on Instagram lives and that kind of stuff mm -hmm. and, and direct messaging. So th this is my dream actually to be able to help people because what I was doing for a couple of decades was making pharmaceuticals, which take forever. I got a, a bunch of them in the works, but I, I want to help people immediately. And I was helping friends and family, I think. Most people know my father is on the protocol too, mm -hmm. but I want to reach millions because it's not that hard to change your traje trajectory. You can live an extra 14 years just by doing five things that I can tell you today, mm -hmm. which I'll tell you. Mm -hmm. uh, it's shown that if, if you avoid smoking, drinking heavily, get enough sleep, eat in moderation and tend towards a Mediterranean diet, mm -hmm. not a lot of uh, crappy fats, you will live 14 years longer than someone who doesn't do that. And that's just the easy stuff. That's what we know. The stuff that I'm talking about, the biohacking kind of stuff, mm -hmm. a few supplements, diet, exercise, some other tweaks that we should get to. Why couldn't that be another 20, 25 years over what is the average lifespan? I and, think that's and, what we're talking quality about. quality too. Like even in, the, in your latest podcast, you talk a lot about, you know, sort of cancer patients. Like there's a lot of layers to this. This isn't just like, oh, my skin looks better. There's a lot of health layers to this. So you do your resveratrol and your yogurt in the morning. Okay, everyone's got, got pens at the ready. So yeah. let, let's do that list. And this will and this will be directed to show notes. They'll be directed to your podcast. They'll they'll be able to okay, great. do it. All right. Um, well, disclaimer, I'm not a, a physician. So make sure your physician knows what you're doing so that if something goes wrong, they'll know. Yep. about it. They might even advise that you're taking this medicine and it's not compatible. So that's important to know. That's not just a disclaimer. That's actually a health concern. Mm -hmm. Always consult your doctor. Um, so resveratrol, a gram of that. So I, I have buckets of resveratrol in my house. I literally buckets. It doesn't go bad, I take it. No, so it doesn't. If you keep it in the dark, dry, it'll last for decades. And I, I've had that material since we did clinical trials in people. Um, so I just scoop a teaspoon into my few teaspoons of yogurt. These days, because I'm going more plant-based, uh, it's coconut-based yogurt. Um, but I used to have Greek yogurt. works both beautifully. But I also put this quercetin and physetin, which are all three are plant molecules that plants make when they get worried that they might die. And really the theme of this is you want to have your food scared that it could die. Mm -hmm. You mimic adversity and your body the same. Body freaking out, it could die next week from either a lack of food or getting chased down by a saber-toothed tiger, too hot, too cold. Same with your plants. And so these molecules plants make, we don't make them, but my theory is that by eating these plants that are stressed out and worried they're going to die, we get the benefits of those molecules that they've made to help themselves, but they get into our body and turn on our own defenses and mimic adversity. So they mimic exercise. So I've, I've told you already that, res mm -hmm. well, NMN, but also resveratrol mimics exercise mm -hmm. because it basically turns on the same things as actual exercise. Um, so that's resveratrol. Mm -hmm. um, then I do my NMN, which is another gram that I, I put in capsules. Um, that I don't buy on the internet. Um, I just Is there a brand, a brand that you feel comfortable saying or or how, how would somebody? Yeah, I, I'm trying to be helpful. Uh, just okay. in in to be open about it. Mm -hmm. um, my name gets used a lot on the internet and I don't need more of that. 
Um, right. If I mention a brand, it's going to be splashed all over their website. Oh, got it. But even, I mean, listen, I'm I'm saying is even if there's a brand that you're invested in or you own, it doesn't matter to me. I, I'm not, I mean, if we're promoting no, I, you, I don't care. That's right. I don't sell supplements because I, okay. I want to be objective and got independent. It. Okay. But I, I can say that with both res, with resveratrol and NMN. Yeah. What are um, the questions or what needs wanna, to be in there that it, that you know it's good? Let's just say that. Okay. Well, Let's just quickly go back to resveratrol. Okay. Right? So resveratrol should be a light gray powder, mm-hmm. very dry and fluffy, uh, and not uh, what do you call it, sticky and brown. Yeah, it's chalky. It, yeah, it's it's so hydrophobic. It loves things that are not wet that it, it'll it'll dry your hands out if it gets on there. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's one of the problems. It doesn't go into water. It, it hates water. <laughs> hydrophobic. Yeah. And uh, so the. Resveratrol should be light gray, and if it's brown, throw it away. Okay. Because a, a lot of manufacturers just cheat, and they they just put a little bit of resveratrol in there, or they don't purify it enough. And there's um there's this uh, emodin molecule that causes diarrhea, and I hear from people, oh, I'm getting diarrhea with my resveratrol. If you're getting diarrhea from res- resveratrol, throw it away. Yep. So NMN should be even whiter. It's pure white, crystalline, um, not so hydrophobic. In fact, it loves water. If you put it in a, in water, it'll dissolve within seconds. Mm-hmm. And so you can have your NMN without yogurt. You can just drink it or just swallow it. And can you do it at this? Can you do it at the same time or do I you do. like to spread them out? Now, would you be comfortable if I had brands that I like that I think are pretty good? Would it be okay if in my show notes, I just say what I'm taking? Of course. I'm not going to make a suggestion. I will just say the ones that I'm taking yeah, in the show notes. Yeah, you know going to on the website? Sinclair's friend, Gabby Reese. <laughs> Okay, well then I won't. No, you should. You okay. should because it, it's it's not fair for me to say do this and then I can't steer no, people I, in the right I direction. No, but I see the conundrum, but it is. It's hard because people really want to know. And the funny thing is, is if you're putting the extra time and resources into something, then it's like, you know, people want to get the good stuff. Yeah. Well, the, so you, you can look for the color. Okay. Um, one, one tip that I can tell everyone that's important is if you're taking a molecule, let's say it's quercetin, phazetin, resveratrol, NMN, you can look up on Google what color it should be. It's listed as you know, as a scientist would see. And so quercetin is a yellow, phazetin is a brighter yellow. Okay, so you just look that up. And if it if it's supposed to be yellow and it comes up brown, yeah. throw it away. Wrong stuff. Yeah, and and look for companies that use the letters capital GMP. Good manufacturing practices. They they at least then you know it's not contaminated with stuff and mm-hmm. doesn't have metals in it. So GMP is good. Brands that have been around for a number of years. Trust those, not these fly-by-night folks that come out of Florida every few months, it seems. Yeah, and with, a by really, the way, with a really tan doctor somehow. Yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. One thing, Gabby, that's I think important is if a company's using my name and- It's not you. No, I'm not. And and avoid those companies. That, that shows that they're dishonest to begin right. with. I think Dr. Oz had a lot of that too. Yeah. A ton and, of it. And Oprah, the three of us had to yeah. deal with it. They're more than me. Well, not yet. So are you still taking metformin? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's that's my holy trinity. So a bit on metformin. Metformin is a drug. Uh, it's a molecule that is related to a plant molecule. Again, plants are good, mm-hmm. but it's classified as a drug. But it doesn't mean it's any scarier than this other stuff. Right. It's just different regulation in this country. In fact, what's what's funny is if you go to another country, mostly in Asia or Africa, you can buy it like aspirin. It's not considered a toxic drug. You should tell your doctor you're taking it no matter what. But in the US uh, and English-speaking countries in Europe, you need a doctor's prescription to get metformin. So what is metformin? It's used to lower your blood sugar levels, and it's given as one of the first drugs, if not the first drug, when you have type 2 diabetes. 
And what it seems to do, or how it seems to work, is it will trick the body into thinking it doesn't have enough energy and the body will build up its ability to utilize energy and suck the glucose out of the bloodstream into your body better. And so that's very useful, but it's also been shown by looking at tens of thousands of patients who take metformin that they're healthier in general. And those patients live longer than people who don't have type 2 diabetes on average. That's Does that a remarkable feel unfair to you somehow? Right? Like, you know what I mean? Like based on your lifestyle, you're like doing the right things. They're like, sorry, you can't get that because you didn't, you know, have type 2 diabetes. But oh, don't get I'm me started. Kidding. No, it's, it's seriously, my poor doctor, I, I rail on him because it, they're, they're my doctor's view, I won't say all doctors, but there's a prevailing view that we intervene when you get sick. That's what we doctors do. Mm -hmm. But don't come to me now saying, give me metformin to prevent diabetes. That's not what we use it for. And, you know, I'm, I'm insistent. I'm saying, give it to me now. I need it. And I, some people have been insistent with their doctors or give them a copy of my book or give them papers that are referenced in the book. And I've heard that that can help with, with doctors. There's also an online company, apparently, that you can Google to maybe get it directly from a company. Mm -hmm. um, but if they're, but metformin, if you can't get that, there's an alternative called berberine, which you know. That's what I take. Yeah. It's yellow. It's really bright yellow. Okay, just yeah. making sure. But it's also one of these polyphenols, as they're called, from plants that doesn't dissolve very well. Do you dissolve it in something? Mm -mm. Well, there you go. That's the problem. I would problem. recommend. Yeah. Well, I don't it. know if it's a problem, but you know, the polyphenol. It it's also isn't that weirdly good for your skin, right? Why did I? Why do I know this from another thing? That's. I'm trying to remember. I mean, I know the, you know, from wine and and such, but it's like tree bark. I can't remember. Anyway. Well, I've patented stuff that's used in skin with polyphenols oh, for a while. So okay. this is one of the things that I put on my skin. So polyphenols, it's worth describing what a polyphenol is. Yeah. So a phenol is just a ring of carbons with some hydrogens on it. And a polyphenol obviously is multiple rings of carbon rings. And resveratrol, quercetin, let's talk about resveratrol. It's two of those rings fused together with bonds. Polyphenol, it's not rocket science. So these polyphenols plants make in response to adversity. If you restrict their water or give them a fungal infection, too much UV light, they'll make these polyphenols as a way to turn on their own defenses, sirtuins. They, plants have sirtuins just like we do, the ones we study. I don't know about their fertility if they're affected, but and they don't run, but it's all about adversity and survival. Mm -hmm. And so when, when we take these polyphenols um, in combinations, I think what they're doing is telling the body two things. One is oh, I, maybe I went for a run or maybe I'm hungry. But also I think what we've done is we've evolved to sense when our plant supply might be running out and how would you know? I mean, mm -hmm. most, of, most of our evolution, we weren't conscious, we were pretty dumb. So our bodies were sensing the chemicals in our food supply and hunkering down, getting ready for adversity when our plants that we're eating were stressed out. Mm -hmm. So that's the idea. But berberine is one of these polyphenols, like most of them, that is very soluble in the plant, but during the extraction process, ends up being this hard crystalline hydrophobic porter dissolve chemical that you need help to dissolve using either yogurt or olive oil. Those are two good things that I use. Okay, that's good. Now you see you just changed another practice of mine. Now I know, again, I'm, I respect the straddle, but is there any other kind of supplement stack or anything else that you, that you in observation and that you like? Uh, yeah. Uh, so in, in my book, I, I've written down a mm -hmm. lot of it. Mm -hmm. um, and we're, uh, so that's page 304. People can go to the cheat sheet, but mm -hmm. I, I would try to read a few other pages because it describes why I do what I do. Um, but yeah, I'll, I'll well, like what's sperm, on that page? Well, like spermidine, do you still like that? Or sp sper is that what it is? 
Isn't yeah. that a bit of a personal question? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, we're talking about, I'll test your diet. Yeah, well, your... I, I, am, uh, I am taking spermidine, but that, that was, that's post-book, so that's not in the list. Well, okay, this is, yeah, I was curious about that because it's like, I'm also curious, and we still haven't gotten to your diet, but we will, but I want to go with what we're, what we're talking about. Off the top of my head, as a layman, sometimes there's been talks when you hear people talking about sometimes what's tough about eating certain plants or vegetables is they do have this stress response and they are defending themselves. Mm -hmm. That has also been flipped and interpreted that, oh, that makes it harder on us. So I just want to say that because, you know, a lot of times you'll hear that like, well, plants are defending themselves and all of oh, that. Oh, I know who you're refer what you're referring to, well, yeah. Well, no, I'm just bringing it up because people will be like, well, I heard this. So I just want to, you know, say that that's all part of what people are hearing. Yeah. Well, so, so my research and the thousands of papers that have yeah. been done in parallel or since say that in general, not every molecule, there are some defense toxins that plants make, but mm -hmm. in our food supply, the kind of uh, supplements that I take and plants that I eat are the ones that make these beneficial polyphenols. So I'm, I'm not afraid of colorful, stressed out plants. I try to eat organic so that they're not grown in a hothouse so much and they might have had a, a bug or some sort of trouble growing. Mm -hmm. um, the matcha tea is a good example. They grow the green tea in shade before they pick the leaves. That's adversity, lack of mm -hmm. light, not just too much light. Um, so yeah, it, I look for really colorful foods because color comes along with these polyphenols. Right. And because you, you can't see resveratrol in a plant, it's colorless, it's gray, but you can see the colors. Um, and so, you know, let's say if I go to the, the vegetable section of a supermarket, I won't just pick the light green food, like a lettuce, a watery yeah. lettuce. That's not going to have these molecules in it. And I learned today that you're a big fan of kale. <laughs> <laughs> the worst, the worst. I don't know why we eat that stuff. Well, and, you know, you'll hear over and over, especially for the microbiome, diversity, diversity, diversity. So that go, you know, eat the colors of the rainbow. So I really appreciate you sort of bringing that up. So what have you sort of added? Because a lot of people are familiar with lifespan. They have lifespan. What are some of the things that now you're like, oh, I didn't, you know, because science is always moving. It's changing. You're learning something new. What are the things, and we brought up this uh, spermidine, but what are the things that you've sort of pulled out recently to go, this is important too, since the book. Right. Spermidine, you can buy. I take that because it's it's a, called a polyamine, and I think it protects uh, the information in the cell that keeps us young. And this is my theory, is that we age because the cells lose the ability to read information. So I think that's what uh, spermidine's doing. It's the reason I take it. It does something else that's that's related, and it turns over old proteins and recycles old protein called autophagy. That's mm -hmm. the process. So that's spermidine. What else have I done? So more recently, uh, I'm trying out something that's pretty interesting called alpha-ketoglutarate, mm -hmm. which is a little chemical that cells oh, use. AKG? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. And it's a ubiquitous molecule. It's used by cells to what's called a TCA cycle, but what it's, it's a common chemical. You never think it would prolong life, but it seemed, well, it definitely does in mice. What led you to even explain? to look at that? Well, it, it, uh, we had the theory that it was controlling the body's clock, the, the DNA methylation clock, as it's called, which we can measure now. Is that, diff is that the Horvath clock? Horvath what, is clock. that different? Okay. No, same, same, same. Okay. And uh, so if you give alpha-ketoglutarate to cells, it changes the clock in a beneficial way. Uh, but it wasn't me. It was actually an old, very old, longtime colleague of mine and friend, Brian Kennedy, who trained with me at MIT in the 90s 
taught me how to wrangle a yeast cell and look how old they are. So Brian did these studies here in California at the Buck Institute. And what he found was alpha-ketoglutarate kept worms alive for longer. And then he gave it to mice and they lived longer. And then they, there was a study that came out a couple of months ago that blew my mind. And it's still hard to believe, but we need to reproduce it, or they do. Uh, and I have talked to the people who did the study. I usually do that. Just by the way, I don't just read the data. I call them up and say, is this BS? Seriously, really? this is too good to be true. Yeah, I call From them up. From one scientist to another, you can call them up and go, come on, really? Yes, I did that with, with all, the, all most studies that what I What country I find was them. this in? Uh, this was done in the US, Okay, I believe. Um, I, I think the latest study is being done in Singapore, but it's rigorous. But it, here's, here's what blew my mind. This paper said that people who were given small group of people, admittedly, but people who were given AKG, alpha-ketoglutarate, for seven months, they had their, their DNA age, this Horvath clock measured before mm-hmm. and after, and they were eight years younger. In seven months? Yeah. Did they change any other elements of their lifestyle? Um, not that it says I mean, in the paper. were they like all of a sudden running marathons? No, or? no, of course not. They tried to keep things stable. All, so everything consistent? Yeah, and, and where it could go wrong is that their, <laughs> their math is a little different than what we typically use. And oh, really? So that's what I wanted to know was, why are you using fuzzy math or different math for this? So they said, oh, you know, we have our own proprietary algorithm. Okay, but can you use the same ones as us so we can compare? Uh, and they're going to do that. Um, but I'm interested enough that I'm now taking it. Yeah, it's just to we'll see. see. Yeah, because I'm measuring my age often. Right. So Inside Tracker has where you can, you know, you have your actual, you know, and then your biological. So that is one way. So when people hear about the Horvath clock, and you've talked about it before, is there is the layman, are we able to measure our, that for ourselves? Yeah, uh, yes, it's is that, becoming- Is that available or is it going to be available? Well, I'm working on that. I have this okay. startup that's come out of my lab and it's called Tally Health and uh, it's mm-hmm. backed by some big consumer brands. And the goal is to- By consumer brands? Well, backed by- Sorry, I just, you know, consumer brands. What's wrong with consumer brands? Well, I don't know. What uh, We'll see. Well, they're, they're the type of people that can get these tests get into millions yeah. of people's lives. And part of the problem is that most people don't realize that this clock exists. You can measure it and you can do things about it to slow it and reverse it. That's the message here. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, the, we're so working on developing years, this. Two years, three years? Uh, well, so I, I've, I'm younger than I used to be. I know you are. I've seen you. You and I are the same age. Next time I see you, they're going to ask if I'm your mother. I mean, the way we're going. No, but seriously, I mean, because a lot of people, like when I when I say I'm going to talk to you, they really want to know, like, hey, do I get access to the to the Horvath? Well, it's clock? Com- it's coming. Okay. So we we it, it's a blood test right now, which is expensive. It's hundreds of dollars, and yeah. it takes two months to get a result. There are some groups that are doing that. Okay. But what I'm I'm I've discovered in my lab, one of my students figured out a way to bring the price down a hundredfold. Uh, in the lab, Great. and what we're going to do is release this. It's going to be a cheek swab, not a blood test, and it'll tell you with accuracy how old you are biologically, not mm-hmm. chronologically, which, as I've said, I mean, who cares how many times the Earth has gone around the sun? That's irrelevant. Your age is malleable. You can go forward quicker. Mm. You can go backwards. Um, and so that's really important. That's a credit score for the body, and so telehealth. There's actually a website if people want to stay in touch. So when it's ready... You yeah, can what be the is first it? one. It's tallyhealth.com, mm-hmm. uh, T-A-L-L-Y, health. 
Okay, great. And uh, yeah, so sign up there, and we're working really and then hard you'll, to get, get this. information once you get it. Right. Okay. Right, and even updates. We, we're even thinking of doing pilot studies with people who are first to sign up, and of course discounts. You know, it's so funny. I, uh, Justin, I can talk to you about this, but we've been talking about NFTs and just all the stuff. I think Dr. Sinclair should definitely get into the NFT space, don't you think? Oh yeah. Yeah, it'd be really fun. We'll talk about that when you get all this other stuff done. We're going to have some fun about like molecules of just. Oh yeah, it'll be amazing. Um, so let's get back now to switching to being a vegetarian, because this will lead us into the conversation about fasting, eating once a, a day, and just sort of where you're at, and um, and sort of what made you decide, okay, I'm going to really give this a go. Yeah. Well, so I'm coming from a place where most people are, which is I love food and I love meat. It tastes great. I love fat. I love French fries. I love cake. Cheesecake's my favorite. So I, I say that because I'm only human, and but I've managed to, over a matter of years, get to where I am now. And it takes some willpower, but if I can do it, seriously, anybody can do this. That's my take-home message. So what did I do? Well, so I, I stopped dessert at 40. Through my 40s, I started to eat better and better. I tried to avoid large amounts of meat. I didn't have big steaks. So I got to a point uh, last year where I was not eating more than one and a half meals a day. I was eating what you'd call a Mediterranean diet. I was okay eating fish. I would rarely eat red meat. And if it was an animal that was walking on legs, it would be a chicken. Um, and then I would eat a lot of vegetables, which at the time I didn't know how to cook or eat I was good vegetables. Ask you, do you cook? I do all? actually. Yeah, yeah. Really? I like yeah, I, I do like that. And actually molecular biology is cooking. It's just on a very small scale. Yeah. My colleagues. And there's I like mixing stuff and see what happens. Do you um do you plan ahead? No, oh, no. That's one of my problems in life. I don't plan ahead enough. It drives people nuts. Uh so no, I I just see what's in the fridge and I make stuff up and okay. it hopefully tastes okay to my children and me. But usually it's okay. But yeah, I, I try to and I've been tending towards more and more vegetables over the years, but I got really bored. It was salads and it was steamed vegetables, which is not that exciting. Okay, mm -hmm. so then, then I meet Serena Poon. Okay, mm -hmm. so she's a celebrity chef, nutritionist, and she says, you can have really good, great-tasting veg vegetarian and vegan meals. And I'm like, come on. Did you move in? Is that what happened? Then you now you can, she can, you have the beautiful and talented Serena Poon making your meals? Because it really does take someone like that to switch your thinking about how you can prepare these meals. So she met you and just said, you can do it. And then what happened? Uh, well, it took a few weeks of convincing and she would keep reminding me of the types of foods that I was eating. You know, I would give her a call mm -hmm. and I'd, she'd say, what are you eating? And I said, well, for dinner, it's a, a bunch of cheeses and some red wine. And she'd say, David, uh, that's not going to make you live longer, despite what you think. Um, and so she was on on, on uh, my case, let's say, about that. Because my diet, I, I would not have what the, the longest living lifespan uh, diet would be. And so eventually I was convinced that by her that she was right in what she was telling me. She she knows her stuff mm -hmm. a lot, right? This is her life. Mm -hmm. And I, I'm this is my hobby. It's her life. And, uh, you know, she's a, a, been trained at some of the best schools in the world. And what I what happened to me was, and I haven't told anybody this, you're all hearing this for the first time, was um, I went to dinner with one of the most 
influential, richest people in the world. I won't say their name just mm-hmm. because I don't think they'd appreciate it. But they gave me a lot of food and the hosts were very generous and gave me a fair amount of red wine as well. Very good, high quality. And if it's a few thousand bottles, a dollars a bottle, you, yeah. you don't just say no thanks. You know, you got to. So I, I had a bit of a, what do you call it? Um, Bacchanalia festival over this side of the country. Uh, and so I, I woke up not feeling that great. And then I, I talked to Serena about what had happened. And she said, you know, this is not good for your long-term health. In fact, your brain, I can tell you're losing your ability to remember things. And I actually, it's true. I was starting to forget things. And I thought, well, either it's old age or it's my my lifestyle. Yeah. So I can't as easily change my age though I can um, as my lifestyle. So I decided on that in that week or around that time to stop what I was doing. And I went vegetarian and then shortly thereafter vegan and stopped alcohol. And I, I like doing that pretty strictly because it's, I don't like making decisions. It's more about, okay, there's a rule. This is the Do way that. we're doing it. Yeah. And we'll yeah. see what happens. I call that the breadbasket rule. So if I go out to dinner and, uh, you know, a lot of times I will, I will try to skip meals. So if it's lunch and maybe it's been a robust day, so I'm extra hungry, I will make the pre-decision that I won't touch the breadbasket right? So I call it the breadbasket rule. Like if I haven't consciously made that choice, like when they put the bread down in front before they, you can actually get your dinner after that, I would mindlessly eat it, right? Like you said, these hard rules. And so I think that that's really important. Most of us can't sort of decide on the fly. I think you need to sort of set in place. And I always say to people, it's not that you can't, it's just that you don't. Well, for me, it's not a hard rule, but it is a rule. And well, I, just a, I, I a break guide, rules. But a guide. It, it, yeah. Yeah. The most of the time. Like, hey, if you're going to go do something special or you have a celebration, fine. But just sort of a guide to this is sort of what I'm doing. It, that's exactly it. And I think that's the key to success. If you're, if you're too strict and you're sitting there going, I want that bread, you'll eventually fail and say, forget this. Yeah. Um, but it's okay to, to treat yourself. Otherwise, what's the point of living longer anyway? That's right. And what about the alcohol? Has that been hard? Because I mean, no offense, like you're an Aussie. It's almost like you feel like it's somehow in the DNA. Like, has that been, because what's interesting in our world is there's something wrong with you if you don't drink alcohol. I don't, I have no moral issue with alcohol. If people want to drink, I'm whatever people want to do. I just don't. I grew up in a place where everyone drank. I grew up in the Caribbean. Everyone was just sort of drunk all the time. And you were just like, this story does not have a good ending. You know, Laird, it's well-documented, dealt with alcohol for the first 10 years of our marriage. So for the last, you know, sort of 14 or 15, Um, you do talk about if you're going to do it, Pinot Noir is the way to go. So Laird understood that from a health point of view. So he drank bottles of Pinot Noir. (laughs) Um, And then he said, you know, this isn't serving my life. But what's interesting is you go places, and I think it's harder for guys than girls. I don't know. I think it's socially that it's like, what's wrong with you? You're not drinking. What you what you don't drink, you don't want to drink. Um, how did you sort of deal with all that? Because because it is, it's like a weird social thing. And you go, you probably have to go out and go to dinners and see people and business and all these things. Yeah, no, you're right. It it That's the hard part. Actually, being vegetarian and vegan isn't that bad, unless you go to restaurants and they say, we don't cater for you. That's, that's the downside. Weird. Well, in California, it's, it's rare. In Boston, it's like, what? You, you don't want steak, you don't want the ribs. Um, but yeah, but but alcohol was was socially a problem. Um, I had lots of people, probably half the people that I socialized with, roll their eyes. He goes Sinclair again, another one of his fads. All right, now it's not alcohol. Now he's not going to be funny anymore. Um, and I'm I'm actually not as funny as I used to be. Or at least I don't 
I thought I was funny. Have you ever been sober with a group of drunk people? It is the worst yeah, thing ever. You're like, you guys are not that funny. I know you all <laughs> think it's funny. It is not funny. I, you know, the problem too is like, if I'm doing something that maybe I know ultimately isn't that great for me, I need you to be on the same program with me. So it's more fun because otherwise you're a reminder of like what I'm doing. It's almost like a contrast in the moment. Do you just do like, you know, people always get the trick, like, okay, bubbly water with a lime in it and maybe a splash. So it looks like it could be vodka something. Like, do you just do that? Yes. Oh, perfect. <laughs> I do exactly that. Yeah, why not? Yeah. But also I hang out with people who have wine collections on occasion and and that's where it's hard because I brought this bottle of wine or I brought this from the cellar and, and to I refuse that's hard. I opened this for you. Yeah, that, that happened a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. Uh, with the Alpha Ketoglurate AKG group. Um, you know, I smelled it. I sipped a little bit. Again, you know, you can break rules in, mm-hmm. on occasion, but I don't drink like I used to, which was, I, I wouldn't say it's excessive, but it, it was constant. It was most nights of the week I'd have a glass, maybe two, maybe three. Yeah, and then if you do the math, that's 10, 15 yeah. a week, And there's whatever. calories too. So yeah. here, here's and the result. Sugar. Oh, sugar for sure. Sugar, yeah, yeah. yeah. The result is that I've got my memory back. I'm very clear in what I think. I can make decisions better. I'm talking quicker, mm-hmm. uh, more quickly. And so the it's been hugely beneficial to switch this diet. And my my blood numbers from Inside Tracker have never been better in my life, even when I was starting this program. So you my, were jumping on that horse to get that test, huh? You wanted to get the good the good report card? Well, I did. Huh? And actually, I, I, I posted this. Anyone who okay. follows me on Instagram would have seen that I have this this meter that says how old I am based on this inside tracker test. Yeah, Did you yeah, see? I saw it. Come on. <laughs> you know, I got a bit of heat from that from people saying, Why? stop showing off. Um, no, I think it's a good reminder that people have to be remember that they have more control than they, than they realize. That was the idea, yeah. Of course. And that's, but, but also we have to do it. It's not just going to happen. And yes, you can go to the doctor and they will give you pills. But in the end, end, it's, I think, the really great reminder of finding your reasons why creating a plan and also having people around you that support that's you, key those yeah. decisions right right so it's for me that's how i took it but you know everyone oh for sure has you need different a support perspective. Network, for sure and, and and a lot of diets fail because people around you are like come on come on eat yeah. that come on drink that uh, so you have to that's the Feel hard part bloated and shitty like me yeah right um be funny like me but yeah my age <laughs> is 52 point whatever i'm turning 53 uh in june um it went that that test actually was the best ever. The last one that I did was When's about it, a month how ago. How long ago was the first test that you did? How many years ago? Do you do you remember? Uh, 2011. Okay, so in 10, 11 years, you're coming out with the best test. Right. Awesome. Right. Um, so now I'm a decade younger than my chronological age based on their algorithms. And I posted it and the company wrote to me and said, dude, those are amazing numbers because our algorithm only lets you go back a certain amount. You start to hit a wall, which you know, about ten yeah. years. And they said, "Oh, can can we show you how you would you like to see how you match other people who are fifty two years old in our database around this age?" Of course, I'm going to say yes. Yeah, because you're like, I I like to win. I do, and I got <laughs> the graph, and and it's a distribution. So most people are fifty two around my age, as you might expect biologically, and there are a bunch of us. And it tapers off down to its tiny thin line down to people that are 42. But what you're feeling is that you actually are probably younger. It just wouldn't let you is what I, I'm sensing. 
That's what you're saying. I don't know. You'll have to. Yeah, yeah. They're going to have to to change that. So you you go vegan. So now you're vegan. Yeah. Seriously. Well, it's not strictly. I'm a. I'm a. That's my aspiration. Do you have a little? I mean, okay. So now I know you've talked about sort of the, the pescatarian being quite a good diet. For sure. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And and. I base my comments on on actual numbers, and I can tell you that the hazard ratio, which is a way of predicting your chance of death late in life, mm-hmm. um, what those numbers are, and I looked them up, and it's very clear that if you're on a regular Western diet, let's call that one, it's mm-hmm. a, that's the level, and then you can, you know, zero would be you're immortal. Uh, you can get down, you can get down to with a pescatarian diet, it's ninety two percent. Yeah, that lower the better. Mm-hmm. Uh, you go vegan, it's eight point eight eight. Eighty-eight percent. So it's just because they're having less fun. <laughs> that's why they're not as it high. Seems I longer. Think. <laughs> your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Okay, so how do you navigate basically fasting uh, with this vegan diet? How are you? I know there's a couple weeks where it's a little bit of un- it's just, it's uncomfortable. And so for anyone listening, listen. If you think that you're going to achieve all of these things that are uh, you know looking great, losing weight, you've lost weight, all these things without a little bit of discomfort, certainly in the first few weeks, um, that's not realistic. Yeah, but there are hacks that make it much easier. And I'm, I'm all for making stuff easier. And so what, what I started to do when I, so I, I've skipped breakfast for most of my life, just I'm not hungry. And if I eat breakfast as well as lunch and dinner, I would be pretty heavy. I'd be obese if I did that. So I've had to- How do you know that? Because I used to be obese. But just from eating, is it was it eating the wrong things, or you think just it doesn't suit you to eat often? Um, I'm I'm metabolically very efficient, and if okay. I if I eat something like pasta the next morning, I think I can feel that I've, I'm actually I've gained weight overnight. Okay. So I, we we're metabolically thrifty in my family. My father, grandmother, we uh, we tend to put on weight easily, um, and so as a kid, my mother. Like a, a lot of mothers, especially in the 1970s, would say three meals a day, feed, feed, feed. And that's how they showed love. That was my mother's way. And so I would be given breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And I, I ended up carrying a lot of weight. It was embarrassing and uh, certainly changed the way I thought about nutrition. And the moment that I had 
any uh, governance over what I ate when I left the house, went to college. I cut out breakfast. Mm-hmm. Um, I started eating carrots for, a, a, I think, a couple of months. Shed, uh, what was it, um, 15 kilos, whatever that is in pounds. Mm-hmm. That's a decent amount. And got down to this basically a set point that I had up until recently, um, which I couldn't break through, by the way. I had still had some love handles. You saw me when I showed up first at your place a couple of years ago. But I'm saying you're, the like, even now you're more compact, more lean than the last time I saw you. Well, I've, I haven't had a body like this since I was 20. And that's because of the diet changes and and skipping meals. So my, what I do now is I try not to eat until late afternoon. And the hack for that is for the first few weeks, fill your body with liquids. Mm. No sugar, of course, but um, just water, tea, coffee is fine. And and there you 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 fill up. And if you need a snack, mm-hmm. some nuts, a bit of dark, very dark chocolate, over 80 percent cacao. Yeah, which nobody 90. wants to eat, by the way. I love it. Oh, yeah, sure. You keep telling yourself that. No person that loves chocolate's like, yeah, I love that bitter stuff. <laughs> All right. Well, I love it. And it's full of polyphenols. It's, it's better healthy. than not eating anything is really what it is. <laughs> I'd say, wait. Anyway, okay, so ch- dark chocolate, nuts, liquids, because also sometimes people think they're hungry, they're just dehydrated. That, sure. They say that quite often, right? Yeah, or they're bored and stressed. Oh, okay, that's what I was going to ask you. You work, you have you have a lot of stress. You might be calm and you speak very calmly, but you're navigating a lot of things. When we are stressed or bored or tired we or dehydrated, we will poke around and go, you know, and look for something to snack on because it's something to do. Did you just sort of find, just have that liquid and that sort of took you through it? Yeah, it helped. The, the liquid was the thing. I, but I still go to the kitchen. I open up a cupboard. I'm like, oh, I want to eat that. And then I, then you have to make the decision, do I do it or not? Mm-hmm. And I, I fought it most times and I would just close the cupboard door and make a cup of tea or something. And that was the trick. But you're right, it takes three weeks. And what's happening during that process is that your body is learning not to put out ghrelin, which is coming from your, your stomach, which is you know, the, the sense of hunger. It's fake, right? Oh, sense of hunger isn't real. No. It's your brain going... I need food. I've got low glucose. Um, But after three weeks, your body stops doing that. And instead your liver wakes up. Your liver can make its own sugar, gluconeogenesis it's called. And after three weeks, and I know this from myself because I I wear occasionally one of these monitors, uh, Levels Health is the one that I've been using, but there there are a bunch. And you can see the effects of fasting on your blood sugar levels. And you can get, you can get familiarized with what foods really impact your glucose levels by wearing a monitor like that. So for example, you say, hey, rice, not so good for you, white rice, but potatoes is fine for you. And the only reason you know that about yourself is because you're checking. And yeah. and I, I, I'm I a person who really uh, believes in feeling, you know, but I've been doing this all a very long time. But I, I will say that there's something really important about getting the education, you know, one of my favorite foods in the whole world is popcorn. I love it. Like, I can't tell you how much I love popcorn. Yeah. I know it kicks my ass. Oh, it, with glucose levels? It does. I really? can feel it almost instantly. It kicks my ass in a real way. I even think my heart rate goes up. Like, it is not good. You put butter on it too? Uh-huh. Oh, if we need popcorn, like, why bother? That's like 80% dark chocolate. It's like, for me, if I'm doing something, uh-huh. I'm really going to do it. But I'm just saying, I do, I want to say that I think there's something really great about understanding how your body works 
and like, hey, I can get away with this. Because some people can eat the same things and one person's glucose levels go up and one other person not so much. So I really encourage people if they're going to sort of take this on that, um, yes, a feeling will be good once you understand sort of how you respond to things. But in the beginning, certainly to measure it is it's really great because you you can have a friend or somebody next to you and it doesn't impact them at all and you it, it's not going to work that's 100 percent right and we have different microbiomes as well and right different bacteria that will digest popcorn differently oh, i and, don't have the good one yeah well you can change your microbiome that's well okay let's talk about that for a second do you actively figure out ways to make sure that that's balanced and how that's working it because you know it's it's such a huge part of the whole health picture. It is. And so I don't actively change my microbiome, but I know it's changing in response to what I eat. Mm -hmm. And I can, I can tell that, and I know that from science, but I can tell that in myself because if I, when I switch my diet from something to something, for the first week, it's hell. It's hell going all the way down. My body wants to reject it. Particularly if I go back to a, a high-fat Western diet from being clean and lean. It's really hard. My stomach doesn't have enough acid to break down the meat. And then it gets into my intestine and the bacteria, they're like, what is this stuff? Mm. We don't like this stuff. And I get indigestion and then out the other end, it's a mess too. But you're not and eating noisy. raw, right? You're eating most things cooked, pretty much cooked. I mean, salad obviously is raw, but I think sometimes raw is tough on you in a different way, can be tough on people. Um, I, I like to snack on raw stuff. Okay. Um, so snap peas are a great one. Uh, peppers, I, I think I do fine with those. You're like a new person. I am? Yeah. Like you're talking about snacking on peppers and Well, it, I am, but amazing. I've learned to love it. Uh, you know, if, if you skip breakfast and lunch. Any food every, is yeah, wonderful it's, and it's sweet. A, I'm enjoying food a lot more than I used to. And I don't, I don't take food for granted anymore. Mm. Like you said, that bread basket, you just shove it in and it's your brain going for it. You don't even enjoy it. Now I love food more than I ever have. And it, it it really has improved my life. And it's not a sacrifice. I don't feel that way at all. But you need the, the, those few weeks, especially with the fasting. Mm -hmm. So I try to only eat dinner, but you know, I do what, occasionally Okay, if you're not going up. to a social dinner, which is, you probably go to quite a few, I would imagine. Um, what time do you eat? You must eat pretty early. No, I probably would have a little bit of uh, nuts around three or four. Okay, do you have a favorite one? I have a whole cupboard full of nuts. Are you uh, an almond guy, a cashew guy? I love cashews. Um, do you eat mac nuts? You know, those are really good. Yeah, I do. I'm Australian, so there's a lot of mac nuts. Yeah, down those there. are good. Yeah, and Hawaii. But the, uh, so yeah, mac nuts, I, not so much because um, a lot of them have a lot of calories. So I do, I do have them and enjoy them. But I tend to also do um, Brazil nuts, mm -hmm. which I don't like. I don't like them either. And they always say one a day has all this like certain kind. Selenium. Cut. I don't let people go just one. I go, they're disgusting. They are disgusting. They're weird. People love them. Oh, I, I don't love, know what. I like when people like do like Brazil nuts and I'm like, no, they're not good. Agreed. All right. Yeah. We, okay. we agree on that. Uh, walnuts though, a favorite. Yeah. Walnuts. Yeah. Okay. So yogurt so in the morning that. with your supplements, maybe some matcha, water all day long, maybe some coffee. That doesn't impact your sleep, does it? Like you don't oh, do Oh, I it. stopped drinking caffeinated beverages Usually around- earlier one or two. Okay. I don't go beyond that. If uh, you need a snack, it's something raw, maybe a, a literally like a baby's handful of nuts, not, uh, you know, Shaquille O'Neal's handful of uh, nuts. Yeah. No, just a few to nibble on and okay. just to get through the day. I might have a, a little piece of chocolate, dark, mm -hmm. very dark chocolate. Mm -hmm. You keep telling yourself. <laughs> and then dinner is what? Eight o'clock? 
Uh, well, it depends. Uh, it's usually later, actually. Uh, it's often at home, eight, nine o'clock. Okay. And uh, and when I eat out, it's seven, eight. You know how food is such a, a social thing? It really is such a part of our lives. Do you feel like, and I know that your energy is good, your brain, your cognitive function is good, you look incredible. Is that Has that been enough of a reward for just some of the things that we you know, we just change. Has that given you enough of a, of the, of a, of a win that you're like, Hey, it's, it's well worth it. Are you kidding? To have your brain back? For you're sure. like to have this body, Gabby? Oh, the no, body, I mean, yeah, I'm sure. Just, no, uh, but I'm being serious. Like, well, it, it does feel good to, to, to be back to what I looked like when I was 20. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, you know, I'm not a bodybuilder and I'm not a model, but you know, there is some satisfaction that you do have control over your body. Mm-hmm. Right. A lot of people and me, myself included, I thought I'd never get rid of those love handles. I thought it just wasn't in me, and they're gone. I'm like, yeah. yeah, that's pretty cool. I finally mm-hmm. did it. It took me, you know, a couple of decades to get there, and I learned how to do it. It took the change in what I eat and when I eat. And I, I really want to encourage people that I think it's important to make changes just so that we exercise and flex that discipline. I do think I do that myself, where I, I see that the reins got a little loose on some things, and I'll try to pull back. So. So for anyone listening, okay, it's two and three weeks of it's less fun, let's face it. Um, And then once you get into the habit, the other great thing is that we could give you the donut, but it wouldn't be as good. It wouldn't taste as good. It wouldn't feel good. It wouldn't be worth it anymore. And you have to believe that that's at the other side of it. Now, the question I have is if somebody is sort of a more a performance athlete or they're out, their wattage is big, right? Like you do a lot of of head, brain, fatiguing sort of athletics, but there are people who maybe they're banging a lot of iron or they're doing triathlons, you know, for fun, whatever that is. Can you sustain this or what would you change for those type of people? Yeah. Well, this this is one of the, the conundrums, mm-hmm. right? Is that uh, the body to bulk up prefers a lot of protein. Okay. And so there are a fair amount of carnivores, meat eaters, um, and people that take a lot of protein and protein shakes who do that because it, the body does put on more muscle, but not by a lot. You know, if you if you look at Game Changers, it's a good documentary that shows that, yeah, you need to eat a lot more plants to get the same amount of protein. But plants are made of protein. What do you think they're made of? Right. You know? It's like, but oh, it I'm getting my- But it wouldn't be the fasting part, maybe. Do you think that in oh. a way it's sort of like, hey, uh, maybe- um, once a month or once a week, they they can go these longer periods of time, but they might need more calories. Yeah. Oh, no doubt. Okay. And runners. Um, yeah. So the, the way I would science it based on everything that I've read is, yeah, by all means, you can build up muscle, you can, you can run, that's what you want to do and supply your body with the nutrients to do that. And the calories, of course, you don't want to be a calorie deficit. We're not talking about malnutrition or starvation here. We're talking about maintenance of body weight at least. But what I think is is going to be helpful is that Reserve some time within a month or preferably within the week to do what I do. And that gives your body a chance to rest and recycle and put your body in that state of not abundance, but adversity. And that adversity Mm -hmm. mimicry is what gives you longevity. And actually what I've learned from studying these mice for years is um, if we put them on a molecule or a, a treadmill or some other intervention consistently, here's the thing that blows my mind. It doesn't work as well as if we give it every other day or we pulse it. 
So it's almost like you, you do need a rest period. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there are occasions where I don't take my supplements and I'm not worried about that. Do you find that there's sort of, and let's not talk about athletics, but that there's sort of a, a harmonious or an appropriate formula for the amount of recovery? I think a lot of times, especially hard charging people, they forget the importance of recovery. For sure. And, and, and time I, off. Yeah. So I coach some people as well and look at their biomarkers and I can tell when they're over-exercising. That's pretty easy. Cortisol levels will go up, creatine kinase is up. So it back off in the exercise um, because it's it's putting too much stress on the body and you need that recovery period. And, and, if, and, and cortisol if, levels, you do not want chronically high. No. You know, that's, a, that's the stress, like severe stress, over-stress. A little bit of stress is good, right? Well, it doesn't kill you, makes you stronger. That's what I'm doing. Right. But if you overdo it, you go the other direction. And when you and Huberman talk about this from the two sides, what does that look like? I'd love to hear that. Because, you know, we were talking about it earlier. Like I come from a generation where it started, you know, where it was like bang iron more kind of, you'll see a group, especially of men, where it's sort of this idea of like, this is how I'm going to stay young. And the problem is, is it perpetuates an idea that for other people, if you're not doing that, you're not going to be young and fit and vital and have this vitality. Um, there's actually a maybe a place, in, you know, sort of in between for the long run. Oh, for sure. Um, I think that the look at the ancient Greeks. That that to me is an ideal. Um, not just a look, but actually physiologically having some muscle mass. Right, you're not total wimp, wasted away. You need muscle. If you want testosterone, you need muscle, mm-hmm. um, among other things. You don't want to fall over and break a bone when you get older. So the, the Greeks, right? The Greeks weren't massively built. They were lean and fit and slightly muscular. That, to me, is longevity right there. You know, you, you can hear a group of men that are like, what are you, crazy? But we do talk about it in our house. Become like, a statue. But Laird, Laird himself <laughs> also, we, we do talk about it. Like Laird goes about things very naturally. He will restrict his eating. But with that, he's naturally a kind of a good-sized person, but it's not a weird amount of leanness. He's not genetically, you know, uber. But he's like a Greek god. Okay, but... You're, <laughs> Yes, but in his world, right, he looks like a high-performance athlete, but there are super freaks. Like we see these super freaks. And I think sometimes that has bled into our kind of our psyche that, oh, that's what I'm, that's the picture of health. And I guess what I'm reminded of and is that tightness and non sort of watery muscles, things like that are actually not an indication of health. Not long-term health, for sure. No, I mean, you might get the chicks early, but it's it's just the price on the other side. So I, I guess yeah. I'm just bringing that up because I think if what we're talking about is long-term health, longevity, vitality, and even I think you you will look older later when if you've done sort of some of these things to keep all this mass and to do all these things. I think it's hard on your joints. I think it's a, a myriad of things that um, are, are different. So... Can we talk about what you have been finding? Because I'm fascinated about this. How's your eyesight? If I put a, can you read a label at a grocery store? Have you gone to a grocery store? Have you? Yes, I can read fine. I don't need glasses. Really? See, I'm starting now to, you know, my eyes are starting. Up close? Yeah, that, that's what I'm saying. The the label. Have you ever have you ever seen how small? I think it's some weird joke that they're playing on people, especially when you're trying to figure out what's in the bag and you're like. 
I can't, I don't know what the hell's in there. So it's I'm not even going to buy small. it. I it agree, is super yeah. small, even if you're 15. And now I'm at a place where I can't even, I'm like going, you know, doing this. Yeah. But you are seeing things where people are having, or you're seeing improvement, right? In vision. Oh, you mean in the mice or in yes, myself? In the, no, well, both. I mean, whatever you can freely talk about. Let's stick to the mice since that's what yeah. the science well, is. Well, I've been measuring my eyesight as well um, at a doctor's office. And so my eyesight's actually been getting better mm -hmm. over the last year. Mm -hmm. So it's it's possible to reverse that aspect of aging. Um, and so, I, you know, I, I can see pretty well now, long distance and up close. But I, it was worse before a few years ago. What is that? Is that inflammation? What is- Of is your that, eye? Yeah, like what's happening in that that you are able to, to impact that? It's actually unclear how it's possible okay. for that to happen. What causes the problem with old age is your lens gets stiffer and your muscles have to work harder to, to focus and they get tired. Um, and you can actually have your lens replaced now. They do that. But yeah, that's, that's a bit extreme. But you can do that. It's mm -hmm. out there. It's cutting edge um, medicine. And I think if, if I had really bad eyesight and I was old, I would do that. And it well, also listen, gets rid of cataracts. I, you're too young for that now. But of course, if I'm 80, it's all bets are off. Like they have a surgery for that. Let's do it. Especially if you're doing a lot of the right things. That's how I feel about this. I feel like everything that you can control and do a good job, do that. And then if there's things happening and they've got something out there for it, why not? Right. Yeah. I, I prefer to preserve what we have than replace it. Right. Usually the replacement usually is not as good. And uh, But getting to the eye, what we discovered in mice was uh, published a year ago now, that we could cure blindness in mice by making their eyes much younger. Mm -hmm. And so having what we think is understood a major cause of aging, and we can now drive aging forwards in mice pretty easily. Yeah. Uh, we can now drive it backwards as well. You just put them on social media for a couple of weeks in a row. Put the mice on TikTok, yeah. No, I'm serious. That'll kill you, that stuff. Oh, that drives you forward? I thought that would make that you, makes you a old. baby. Oh, really? Well, no. I mean, that's your the mind a screen time, your posture, everything is uh, is is not good. So, I know that you cannot, um, you know, give suggestions on 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 what to take, vitamins on what to take. But if you could sort of say you were going to dictate to yourself, these are the things I'm going to do. So we know the fasting, moving away from red meat or moving towards, let's say that, let's move towards, uh, you know, colorful vegetables. Yeah, I, I would say you don't have to be vegetarian, but but focus on plants, become more plant focused. That's how I would describe it. And eventually you won't need or want to have as much meat. And I, I learned an interesting thing uh, interviewing Simon Hill where he talks about, because a lot of people will be like, yo, I cannot eat beans. Like it's killing me, the microbiome. And he said, actually, you've got to work up to some of these things. Yeah. So I just want to remind people if they're trying to do this, it, it's not an overnight thing. You've got to kind of work into it, see how you feel, things like that. I think that's important. And if if they if someone was like, okay, I'm going to uh, explore supplementation as support, how would we... Because I just want to kind of bucket this for people as we start to wrap up. Well, my my mainstay is the NMN mm -hmm. to raise the NAD molecule to turn on defenses. There's the resveratrol that also helps with that from red wine mm -hmm. as a supplement in my yogurt. Uh, quercetin and fazitin are relatives of that molecule, another couple of polyphenols that actually not just rev up metabolism and work like resveratrol, but they also uh, kill off old cells. Um, and that's thought to be useful. Uh, and then there's the metformin, which I take. And there's a, there's a question about whether you should take metformin every day because it does inhibit your ability slightly to build up muscle bulk. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so in an abundance of caution, I just don't take metformin on days I work out. It's pretty easy. And I'm not working out every day like some people. So that for me is easy. But I would say um, look at the data if you can. The, the metformin doesn't dramatically reduce your ability to build muscle. It's 5% difference. Mm-hmm. And you can make that up just by doing a few more reps. What is the thing I was reading? I'm trying to remember where people are taking almost a two to five times recommendation for sleep. What was it? Um it wasn't the AKG, it was something. Uh, I'll have to try to remember that. I wanted to ask you about that. So are you are you interested? Do you like this idea of the AKG and the and the uh, spermidine? Or how do you feel about that? Or well, that's still, liking, you're experimenting. Yes. And you were not going to say anything about that yet. Well, I like the idea of, of being healthy and younger, but I have to see it you actually check it out. point in the right direction. Okay. Yeah, and so the jury's still out because it's fairly new in my body and we'll see. But so far the numbers are headed in the right direction. And what about um, sleep? What? How much sleep do you get? Come on, how much sleep do you get? I was going to say, do you want to know the truth? Because that, that's my vice. That's one thing that I preach but I don't practice. You, you know, it's not about you being perfect. It's, you, it's just, I'm curious. We all know, okay, seven, eight hours, that'd be great. Nine could be great for certain people. What are you able to get done based on your lifestyle, your personality, your schedule? Huh. Well, somewhere, I, I think a good day is six, a bad day is two. Oh, bad day is two. Mm-hmm. Who goes, well, how, what's two? Is it that you can't sleep or you're just working and you don't go to sleep? What is it? Uh, I'm working. Um, I have stuff to do. I have to catch up on things. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got friends and family in Australia. They'll mm-hmm. call. Uh, and so it's all of that. And usually uh, it takes a while for me to fall asleep. So I read a book or do something like that, read parts of a book. Um, I travel a lot. So I'm on planes and whatever. So that's a problem. Although NMN does control the body's circadian rhythms, the mm-hmm. sleep-wake cycle. So I use NMN to give me a boost when, when I land in a different time zone. I see. And I've heard, and maybe I don't know if it's true or not, Laird was experimenting with fasting on days you're flying because then you reset easier and the jet lag seems to be less impactful. Yeah, there's science behind that. That's that's yeah. for real. Yeah. Um, and what drives your body crazy and why you feel sick when you land, say, in Australia is your brain will reset because it's got sunlight, but your liver is now on a different clock mm. and it thinks it's nighttime when it's daytime and then your body just feels like crap. So you, you can reset the parts of your body we think, and in mice it works, is to raise those NAD levels back up when they're supposed to be high, which is in the morning mm-hmm. when you wake up. That's why I take man and men in the mornings to give myself a full reset. Um, but yeah, that's fine. What Led's doing makes a lot of sense. Yeah, Laird will fly to Portugal from Los Angeles and not touch any, won't eat. Um, I just have a one, uh, a couple more questions. One being, so with the breaking fast with the yogurt for the supplements, because you need the fat or the fat maximizes the, the opportunity. Um, because it's not sugary, is that part of the benefit like i guess and i know it's only a little bit yeah right is that sort of because i guess when we're directing people it's like hey it's this isn't a huge bowl of strawberry yogurt with honey on it it's like you know just to you know remind people yeah yeah that's important okay Um, definitely anything that's sweet uh from sucrose which is cane sugar or Mm -hmm. beet sugar i i don't even touch i don't go near that especially breakfast that right. would taste terrible to me at this point so i, I it, it's usually a plain greek yogurt or a plain um coconut based yogurt right and it's not a lot 
I have a, a little cup and I put maybe two teaspoons in there and that's enough to mix it in. To get it all in there. Yeah. It looks kind of disgusting though. Once you've got those orange and whatever molecules in there and resveratrols like cement, yeah. it, it's, it's not a good look, but. Yeah. Just look in the mirror. Then you're okay. You're like, it's working. So. Well, well actually, so Serena, um, one of the things that convinced me was vanity. She said, you know, you won't just feel better. Trust me, you'll look better. And I went, okay, now I'm doing this. Well, of course. And she's right. I'm telling it made you, a big I see difference. you and I know that you're tired. I can tell that you're tired. Not because you look tired. I can just tell. And I'm like, he looks amazing. So whatever you're doing is working 100%. So, okay, Stevia, because I told my friend Elijah that we would get into Stevia because Laird has this argument that anything that bangs, you know, the back of your throat, that's that sweet, there's no way you're not having a physiological response. And Elijah's like, there's no data showing. And I have to listen to this dialogue for, I think it's been almost two and a half years. I've been listening to this argument. So from what you know, where does Stevia and how to take it, I guess? Yeah. Well, so I, I've looked at all the research on, um, what's it called? Uh, sucralose. Mm-hmm. Um, and so this is in the yellow packets, if you're wondering which one it is. And there's a lot of research in rats and some in people that show that if you simulate, not stimulate, but simulate sweetness on your tongue, your brain starts to freak out and identify that there's actual blood sugar in your body, even if there isn't. And there's a double whammy, which is that these molecules, I don't know about stevia, but certainly for sucralose, um, which is also Splendor. Uh, it also is modified by the microbiome, and that's bad too. So mm. there's a double whammy. So I've been going, weaning myself off Splendor. Sorry for the makers of Splendor, but this is yeah. the science. Um, and I went on to Stevia. Okay, and now the research, and you also have educated me, is that that taking Stevia does the same thing, which is it's tricking the brain into thinking that it's sweet, mm-hmm. and the meal that you're eating at the same time is full of sugar. And so the next time you eat stevia, it's gonna react the same way. You're training your brain like a Pavlov's dog. And so the the advice that I've heard is, if you have stevia, do it when you're having liquids that aren't full of sugar, Mm -hmm. so you don't train your brain to respond that way and it's better overall for your body. Yeah, and I just think sometimes when you want, you you crave something, sweet, it's it's maybe not as punishing. You know, I mean, we all know sugar is is not some, I mean, we want to avoid it. I did appreciate one thing that you talked about on your podcast, your lifespan podcast about if you are going to have dessert, have it after you eat. Don't eat that first. So I do appreciate that. You're also giving, you're not saying, hey, never have dessert, but if you are, have it after a meal. Don't start with that. What yeah. about salad? Like let's say someone's eating um, other food like carbohydrates and this and that. Is it? Do we know if it's better to have a salad at the top or the bottom of that? Well, the 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 best hack is eat a little bit of uh, protein and then have the carbs, and it does seem to lower that spike, get your body ready for what's coming, mm-hmm. um, and that works for me really well. Okay. Yeah. Are you having fun? Lots. It's like doing great. the podcast and stuff. Like, do you get? Is it is it nerve wracking because it's new? You have to. I mean, you did the book, so you had to already consolidate information and, and break it down and communicate it so people like me could actually understand it. But is there something about you where you're like, oh, this is so such an unexpected thing in my life that I'm doing um, as, and, as an extension of my, of my career? It's wonderful. Because my, my whole life I've, I've been an educator. I like speaking to people and I like educating them and they go away with knowledge. This is how I get my pleasure. I'm giving people, I'm, I'm serving them with education. That's my whole life. Mm-hmm. And for most of my career, 
With old media, it was extremely painful. Speaking to reporters who had an agenda, who wrote headlines that often their editor wrote instead, it was embarrassing. I, I was always fearful of speaking to reporters, and I was in the news fair amount, and there was not one report in a newspaper or online that was accurate. Mm. I mean, beware, don't believe what you read, even in newspapers, typically. It's mm. really bad. Um, and so now this ability to reach people the way I've always dreamed of, this this really is a dream come true for me, and I love it. Um, I'm not going to give up my lab at Harvard because I, I think the work that we're doing, reversing aging, curing blindness, mm-hmm. et cetera, I think people would be pretty upset and I, I'd lose my motivation. When I go to the lab, I'm invigorated. It's like Willy Wonka and his chocolate factory. This is what I do. Yeah. So I'm staying at Harvard, but I'm, I'm increasingly becoming a global educator through written word and spoken word. Do you worry that like, because you're talking all about health, every show is about health you're going to run, you know, like that's a lot of ideas. See, I can pivot. I can talk about relationships. I can talk about anxiety. I can talk to you about science. I can move all over the place. Um, do you, have you thought about that? No, it's, it's never it's ending. It's a never ending. Yeah. I mean, health is a big enough topic, but, mm. but I can talk about a lot of things. I've got companies that detect viruses. I've got uh, military stuff going on. That's pretty interesting. Mm. I've got uh, companies that look at the ultrastructure of the cells that allow researchers to do crazy things. Um, there's a big world that I haven't revealed to most people yet, uh, and that will come. But I think even just within the, within the health space, mm-hmm. we've just touched the surface. I bet you there's a lot of people right now saying, I wish they talked more about this or that. And so I, that's why I have the podcast, because I can really dive in deep and give the citations and the scientific studies to back it up as well. Yeah. So we talked about the AKG being something that you learned about after lifespan. Is there anything monumental that I forgot um, since lifespan, the book, that uh, feels important to you? Uh, well, the, there's a number of things. My lab always surprises me. When okay. I go in, I say, tell me, how's it going? Yeah. And they go, we've just discovered this. It's it's a, such a great privilege to be a professor at Harvard with these really smart ki- kids. I've got about 20 of them. And in any one week, they'll make some sort of breakthrough. So I go into my lab and on a typical day, which is described at the end of lifespan, I wanted people to know what it's like to come to my lab. It's pretty cool, by the way. I'm open ready. invitation. Okay. Um, Don't invite me because I'll come. No, please do. Okay. Come and see the mice where we age them and bring them back. Great. Yeah. I'd like you to do that to me, except bring it back. <laughs> Don't age me. Yeah. I don't, don't think Harvard would let me inject you with our age reversal genes <laughs> I'm yet. Why not? Learn and I. I'm ready. We could do it, but we get couple, in trouble. As a couple, it's okay. <laughs> yeah. So the, the, the thing that has been exciting recently is that we're looking for ways to reverse age with molecules like alpha-ketoglutarate, but there's other ones that we're mm-hmm. looking for. So instead of it being a gene therapy, which is how now we reverse aging in mice, and hopefully eventually people in the next few years will try it, um, is take a pill. I mean, this is the dream of the pharaohs, right? And But it, but we have the science, we have the knowledge. We know that there's a backup copy of youthful information mm-hmm. in our cells. This is what we've discovered. Now there's hundreds of labs working on this just in the past year billions of dollars being put into this. Jeff Bezos is the most prominent one, but there's a lot of people into this. So it's going to happen. But what's new, I'll mm-hmm. share with you, is that um, so you know what a senescent cell, but I don't think everybody knows what a senescent cell is. Mm-hmm. It's a cell that has become so confused about its identity and actually a loss of cellular identity, I believe, is the main cause of aging, is that it said, okay, I don't know what the heck to do. I'm going to check out. So that cell, instead of dividing it'll shut down, become quiescent or hibernate and sit there. That's a senescent cell, but that'd be fine if it didn't put out all these 
warning signals to the rest of the body, which results in inflammation mm. and type two diabetes and a whole bunch of other diseases, including cancer. So you, these senescent cells are vicious that you don't want them. And even a little number of them in a mouse, if you put a dab under the skin, they'll accelerate aging. So they're, they're bad news. Yeah. And so you can delete them. So I take uh, physetin, which is an, what's called a senolytic. It kills senescent cells in mice, probably in people. But the, the breakthrough was that we found out that those zombies, you know, right now we're just shooting them. And that's a problem if you're killing off important cells that you need. Mm -hmm. You know, brain cells become senescent. You don't want to kill off too many brain cells, do you? You'd rather revive them. It wouldn't matter in my case. In your case, it's very important for sure. Oh, come on. Yeah. One of the smartest people I know. The uh, But no, what, what's important is we've just discovered that you can- Bring them back. Restore the health of even these senescent cells. They wake up, they're healthy, they grow again. That is exciting. That's true age reversal. And that was unexpected because right now, if you ask any, almost anybody in the mm -hmm. world who knows anything, senescence is terminal and all you can do is kill them. That's not true. Wow. You have a fun job. I know it's hard, but it's really cool. It was, it was a slog getting here, um, but now I'm having fun for sure. Yeah. Okay, Dr. David Sinclair. Um, oh, before I forget, uh, IFAM, intermittent fasting with appropriate, right? Nu uh, nutrition. Nutrition, right? Yeah, yeah. So I just want to remind people that you're not talking about fasting and not, but really paying attention to getting the appropriate nutrition. So IFAM, if you need a, re a reminder, because... You know, all of this takes a certain amount of planning and thoughtfulness. And I don't want people to think, well, I skipped lunch. It's like, okay, just try to pay attention. And so I think that's yeah, important. Another, another point that yes. you just reminded me, which is if you don't measure things, you don't know if you're deficient or have excess of something. Mm -hmm. and there are plenty of my clients that have low B vitamins because they're on these kind of diets and don't eat enough spinach and this kind of stuff and broccoli. But there are also people who take supplements that overdo it and vitamin B12 is through the roof, which also is bad long-term for the cardiovascular system. Mm -hmm. So you, you cannot optimize what you don't measure and you might be doing yourself more harm than good even by taking these vitamins. That's, a, that's important. That's why I do my blood work. It's just to, it's, it's to get a sense of it. This is the first time I've had my blood work done and I, I was actually not vitamin D deficient. I'm not kidding. COVID made me so aware of taking my vitamin D that it's the first time that uh, I, I'm like, I'm not, it's not great, but it's, it's not low. Um, did you also really quickly um, with quercetin, I talked to uh, Dr. Perlmutter. He did the grain brain and things like that. And he was talking about sort of this low level inflammation, but how great quercetin is for that. And um, Laird's always like, well, what food has quercetin? Do you know what foods have a lot of quercetin? Well, it's onions and apples, but it's not, and, there's not enough. Right. And capers apparently have a lot of quercetin. Oh, what are you going to do? Eat bottles of capers? Well, you're a vegan now. I mean, you know, oh, you'll, goodness. You'll, you'll, you'll die from it. salt. But uh, <laughs> no, no. You, but it's just an interesting thing where it supports, you know, health, it's everything, right? Like one thing supports one. So getting your uric acid down, yeah. the quercetin helps with that. But then in these other areas. So I really uh, just appreciate and try to remind people like, you know, a rising tide does lift all the boats. So it's not like, oh, this is just good for this one thing. It's good for a lot of things. Well, yeah, because these molecules, these polyphenols, they turn on the body's highly, um, we call it pleiotropic. This means they have lots of activities, um, defenses against aging. So you're, you're not saying, I'm not saying take this because it's an antioxidant. I'm saying take this molecule because it'll turn on your body's defenses against aging. 
and you've got a whole bunch of proteins waiting to be turned on. You can turn them on to defend yourself by exercising, mm-hmm. by being a little bit hungry, by being in a sauna, by being cold, which I've done a number of times here. Mm-hmm. That's all about this adversity mimicry that turns on your body's natural defenses. Now, we don't know all of the things they do, but we do know that they turn over proteins, they defend DNA, and they preserve the information that allows you to be younger for longer. And that's a real important point, which is that it's not one activity. It's There's hundreds of activities that you can achieve with just right. one molecule. Okay, this is my final question. I thought I was gonna wrap it up like five minutes ago, but this is my final question. Um, because I, I like you and um, I I think you navigate your life in a really interesting way. Oh, now I'm worried. No, I'm just curious. You and I both have teenagers. Yeah. And we're not going to call them out by name, Brody. Um, no, I'm just kidding. You're not going to call them out by name. Have you learned something as a parent? Because you have three kids, so you've learned some lessons. Have you learned something that seems to work when navigating teenagers, like I'll give you mine, for example. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think I had ideas about, um, I learned that if I listened more than I solved, um, that if I didn't worry, but I believed in, that there were certain things that just seemed to work out better, right? Like this idea of that in which you persist I mean, you resist, persist, right? And I used to lean in harder to my older kids when they were going through their phases. And certainly as I've gotten uh, deeper into parenting, I'm realizing to have a little more faith and um, this too is part of the process. This is a phase, they're gonna be okay, all these things. I'm just wondering you as a person who is very bright and is in charge in certain ways of your universe because you're dialed in person, what have you learned as a parent that that showed up that you maybe a skill you didn't have when you started? Yeah. Well, I'm not the greatest dad, I'll admit it, and I've been trying to get better. I'm very career-oriented, and, uh, and I would say my kids suffered as a result. It's, mm-hmm. it's one of those things I, I regret. Uh, when I was home, though, I was, I was doing everything I could to teach. This is what I do. So we, we actually had those giant sticky notes all over the kitchen for years with things that they could learn during dinner. That was my way. But but I, I haven't been a great dad, actually. Um, I wasn't home a lot. And what I also did when I got home was when, so I have three kids, and the two older ones are uh, were born female. They're now known as they, uh, which was also a really hard thing for me to get used to. And this is, we're talking about a decade ago, so it yeah. was new and unusual. Um, but I, I used to not take them as seriously as I should have. And I could use an excuse, I'm, I'm just a joker, I'm Australian, but actually it was bad parenting, not sitting down and saying, I hear you, I understand it's hard. I would say, yeah, whatever. You know, oh, he, she, they, yeah, that's pretty funny and make a joke about it. That was really bad parenting and I regret that I did that. So these days I listen and I'm very concerned about them. And if they talk to me, especially as a teenager, a teenage female, mm. it's it's a blessing because that. Otherwise, if you just don't listen, yeah. they'll learn that they don't feel safe when they talk to you about stuff. I think that's a really beautiful point. I think it's, even though sometimes it's hard to hear or it's hard to listen, just be glad that they're talking. It's a beautiful thing. Dr. David Sinclair, your book is Lifespan. Your podcast is Lifespan. And um, you have a co-host. 
Yeah, Matthew Laplante. Yes, who was the co-author. Yeah. So he creates some infrastructure and kind of gets you set up. And um, I really appreciate you taking on these topics and also making it achievable. I've listened to the shows that you have so far. And so anyone who feels at all intimidated, um, it's not that at all. And you have a really good speaking voice. It's very calming. So I think uh, it's going to kick ass you and the Science Mafia, you and Andrew Huberman. I'm excited to see what you guys do. And, and I just really appreciate your work. And I appreciate you a lot. Thank you. Thank you, Gabby. Uh, the feeling's mutual, by the way, and you're just a, an all-round awesome human being. So keep doing what you're doing, too. I'll work on it. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. Thanks so much for listening. And if you'd like, rate, subscribe, and leave us a review. All of my music was graciously done by Frank Zumo and Tom Thacker. If you want to see some of the behind the scenes action, just follow me at Gabby Reese. And remember, don't miss new episodes every Monday. the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.